The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of the Belmont Media Center or the Town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Welcome to the Hopeless Fancast, the podcast that loves fans as much as fans love pop culture. I'm your host, Eileen Maxson. Before you listen to our show, be pre-warned. There will be spoilers. For today's episode, we'll be talking about The Tick with Kevin, who is a graphic designer from Chicago. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. So let's talk about The Tick. The first question, which is what I ask everybody, is what do you love about The Tick? Well, you know, I started, you know, as I'm an old man, you know, <laughs> I, I read the comics when they first came out, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the whole series that Ben and uh, Edlund had done with, uh, you know, Paul the Samurai and Man-Eating Cow and, <laughs> um, and The Tick and all that. And what I had liked about them, you know, at the time, and it, I think it holds through throughout all of kind of the adaptations, is that it's it's sort of a parody of superheroes without being mean-spirited, while also obviously really loving superhero comics. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of messes around with all of the tropes of superhero comics and have the you know obvious kind of like representations of famous characters without without them being like so stand-in-ish for them i mean they're 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 their own people right but they're also kind of supposed to be you know kind of like the ticks version of batman or the ticks version of superman or you know things like that which i always thought was amusing right right who's your favorite character like through throughout all the uh the adaptations who do you like the most other than the tick i mean the tick is obviously it's obviously awesome but what other side character do you like the most uh i mean there's a whole mess of them and arthur is always you know interesting and mm-hmm. swell. I mean, there's some, you know, he's kind of changed a little bit, you know, from adaptation to adaptation, it feels like. You know, when the Patrick Warburton, you know, series was out, you know, I was a huge fan of Batman Well right. and and also, was it American Made? No, Lady uh, Lady Liberty. Lady Liberty, yeah. Captain, Captain Liberty. Yes. I just think of her as <laughs> Janet because that's what Batman Well called her all right. the time. So, Batman Well and Janet. So, I, I like them both quite a bit. But, you know, in the, in the cartoon, you know, a lot of the villains were the ones that stood out just because some of them had were directly from the comics and some of them were just like kind of taking a crazy idea and you know just kind of really running with it because everybody could kind of be much more surreal you know in the comics and in the cartoon than you know in the live action series right well i actually and and this is something that you know i actually am woefully unfamiliar with the animated series um i think i saw one episode and it was the one that had the mad bomber uh, right the mad midnight bomber what bombs at midnight yeah baby Um, (laughs) so uh, could you tell me a little bit more about the animated series like what the general kind of feel of it was well, it was, like I said, it was, it was really surreal. Mm-hmm. Some of the parts from it, as I recall, it's been a long time since I've seen it, too. So some of it kind of blends together, you know, into other things. But I know there were many sort of scenes 
from the cartoon series that was directly out of the comics. Mm-hmm. You know, even in like I think the first episode, like when he first comes into the city, you know, he's got his like his mission, and he's kind of like talking about it, and he's sitting in like a Nighthawks esque diner, you know, and some guy challenges him. You know, you're not you're not any tick. Like ticks have eight legs. And <laughs> tick like you know. Well, how do you know I don't? He's like, well, ticks suck blood. He's like, I got a straw right here, pal. You know, I'll suck blood. You know, and so it's got them in the in the sort of super Superman equivalent is in that scene too, and it's a lot of it's just a lot of fun. You know, I mean, when you have when you can have like Chairface Chippendale, who's you know a bad guy that actually has a chair for a head. You know, kind of based on like sort of old Dick Tracy comics. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's very surreal. And what it was interesting, too, since it was kind of, did that come out? Was in the 90s? Probably mm-hmm. the early 90s. It felt like that that was one of the first series that had a little bit of, like, um, continuity. Okay. Because, you know, like, Chairface Chippendale wanted to, like, carve his name into the moon, <laughs> like, with a blazer. But it only got so far as CHA. Okay. And then, like, from then on, the moon, when you saw the moon, said Cha on it. <laughs> and so, you know, that sort of, like, light continuity feels like, you know, is unheard of, you know, in that time period. Right, right. Well, television's definitely changed from then to now, which is something that you can really notice between the two live action ticks that, mm-hmm. you know, even though it's the same subject matter, they kind of have a different genre to them. Uh, the one that came out in 2001 is very kind of sitcom-ish, where you have, you know, them going to the restaurant, you know, to the diner and hanging out together, and they kind of going about their normal lives, even though they're superheroes, and it's very up and that was very common of the time. Right. But then nowadays, it's much more common to have TV shows that have this over, you know, this arc where things kind of unfold over time. You don't have the monster of the week. You have a, a villain that kind of spreads over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's something that I find really interesting, that uh, the tick really lends, the story lends itself to all different kinds of um, kind of storytelling. Um, right. And it's, it's really, you know, it has has a, a certain amount of staying power because of that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it's, I think that it kind of works out that way because it is, or possibly kind of like was written a little bit like as a parody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously since like superheroes are, I mean, it, two aspects of that. Like one, because superheroes, you know, in general have that sort of like heroic archetypal sort of persona, you know, that's kind of like thin on characterization in some ways. Right, right. But, you know, like because they stand for something, they are representative of this or they're representative of that. That when you kind of like have that sort of like, once you start kind of like deconstructing that and making fun of it or giving like kind of real human characteristics to or non-heroic characteristics to the characters, you can kind of like skew it in a lot of different ways. Right, you right. Know? And it also means that like you kind of can bring in a lot of other feelings or like a lot of other kind of like sub messages or sub stories because you know I mean superheroes represent a wide variety of things to a wide variety of people and you know and in, in lots of people kind of read subtext into that that can be either made more present or less present can be made more comedic or less comedic you know just depending but I also think that you know like comics you know and the kind of like the representation of superheroes has changed you know in the last 20 years I mean certainly since you know, I was reading comics, you know, when they were started out as being basically, you know, all heroic and then, you know, everything turns like all grimdark. And then it's comes out of that a little bit to veer slightly off topic. I mean, you know, the sort of Marvel versus DC universe movies versus the DC, you know, 
TV series is, you right, know, they kind of right. have different mixes of being, oh, so very serious and, you know, and being very adventuresome and, you know, optimistic, you know, in some ways. And I think that the new, the new series is a little bit more in that, like, realistic-ish vein, mm-hmm. you know, than the, than the older series, you know, the older live action series, because it was, because like you said, I think that it's, it's a little bit more the trend right. to treat it in more serious or like more like long form sort of style and i'm not sure if like long form style really lends itself to comedy super well right well i think it is really funny and the thing that i think keeps it funny and this is one of the things that's my favorite thing about the tick is you know the tick himself and the quotes Mm -hmm. um just it it is probably one of the most quotable tv shows both of them or probably all three i mean you know like i said i remember the mad midnight bomber what bombs at midnight yeah baby right right so so yeah so i think that there is kind of that basis of comedy that can be kind of built upon. Yeah. But yeah, the the new series definitely is a lot more, it's a lot more serious. You have Arthur, who isn't just only this hapless guy who really wants to be a superhero. And so he puts on a bunny suit, pseudo bunny suit. But, you know, he has, he has a past, he has a tragedy. There's uh, themes of mental illness. And you really have something that, that is very different. And very much more dark and and more realistic. It's a lot different. It's a different show than yeah. than the two thousand and one show. Um, and it's it's a little funny in that I remember reading an interview with with Ben and Lynn a while ago, like uh-huh. years ago when he was doing the comic, that he had said that Arthur was like a wildly unpopular character. Oh. And that he had had this original plan of kind of introducing him as this kind of like you know big sort of inept you know sort of doughy superhero sidekick but then he would become almost like this like mental ghost or representation or conscience to the ticks would keep showing up as like the person trying to like egg the tick on to do things right uh, but as like the series would go on like arthur would change from the you know his original drawings or you know his original like overweight like doughy like accountant in a Bunny suit, <laughs> right, right. To becoming like this super heroic looking, like muscle bound, like guy, you know. That, <laughs> so, you know, in his, in the tick's mind, he kind of like changes, but, right. uh, but because like everyone seemed to like really hate Arthur, Ben was like, well, screw that. I'm going to keep him around then since everybody seems to be so upset by him. <laughs> so he didn't want to feel like he was caving. Right, it, right. It, but it's interesting that, you know, some of the aspects of that, which you're talking about, like being a little bit more serious, a little bit more talking about like the mental illness and whatnot, both of the tick and possibly of like Arthur, like, right. has been present a little bit in the comics, even if like it's not, wasn't as like explored in, you know, the in the Patrick Warburton version. Sure. Yes. I mean, Arthur, he makes a really good, you know, everyman. The the audience's entry point into the story. They can identify with him in a lot of ways because he starts off being a regular person and then, you know, is somebody who wants to be a superhero, although he comes about it kind of, you know, sideways when it comes to the new series. But, you know, someone who wants to be a superhero, but at the basis is kind of the normal person amongst, you know, the tick and the villains you can 
you can really identify yourself with him as kind of a way of getting into the story. Or at least that's the case of the uh, the live action series, which is, I think, important. It's it's important to have kind of that, you know, it's why you have the companion in Doctor Who. Right. Uh, it's always, you know, the person that the audience can kind of see themselves in and therefore can relate to them and through that relate to the Doctor and the alien things that are going on. Mm-hmm. So I like Arthur. Um, <laughs> this particular Arthur I like a lot, too. You know, I, I tend to go for the kind of, you know, the darker stuff. Uh, so that's not really something that I think is a drawback for me. Right. Um, but I think that it's really interesting that that's kind of the entry character that um, has been chosen for this new series, uh, that it is someone who has such tragedy, as opposed to in the uh, 2001 series, it's somebody who, you know, is kind of a schmuck. And, you know, kind of wants his life to be better and wants to be important. But now it's someone who is really battling darkness and needs to have that superhero part of him in order to to move on with his life, in order to find his own identity, basically. Right. Although, you know, most, I mean, the sort of like coming from tragedy is practically. Oh, yeah. Superheroes. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. There, There are very few superheroes that do not come from tragedy. That is true. There's some comedian that I, I heard lately I, I forget exactly who it was oh i think it was Patton oswald that basically he had had the most special recently that's talking about the death of his wife and whatnot and they just basically said that like you know in comics batman's parents is murdered right in front of him and you know he becomes this buff superhero and he says that's not what happened like at the best case scenario he'd become like the most obnoxious beat poet in gotham <laughs> and so this sort of like rising above you know such tragedy and becoming heroes kind of something that happens a lot you know? right those, right in comics in general so i kind of like the idea of like you know i i agree that the new arthur and especially like his sister yes is a lot more well realized and you know they feel like much more like people yeah but you know i also just like the idea of somebody that's doesn't have anything that they're trying to work out that just wants to do better you know right, that just right. is trying to because i think that's where most people are not very many people do have to deal i mean not very many people in my particular <laughs> socioeconomic background in my right. particular circumstance of life has to deal with like tragedy and any real you know right right <laughs> (laughs) any real like uh, scale you know and so trying to do better and like trying to do something you know when you're already relatively comfortable I think is slightly you know lightly admonishing to the people that like myself who don't do anything and just kind of you know talk about tv right (laughs) well you know yeah I mean I can't tell you that I actually know anybody who has had you know a a superhero ship falling on top of their dad um yeah it's it's there definitely is something to be said for having, you know, people who are just in all ways ordinary people wanting to transcend that. Right. But I think you mentioned Arthur's sister, Dot. And yeah. that, that was something that I found really interesting, that instead of her, and it, again, it's it's the episodic versus arc, that instead of having her show up in one episode with, you know, Arthur's mother, basically so that they can be disapproving towards Arthur and his lifestyle, which, you know, is text superhero subtext, you know, they must be gay, Um, that you had, you know, her as an episode, as opposed to having her as this constant in Arthur's life, and also being kind of the same, a normal person, and her probably a little bit more normal than Arthur, being a normal person who then becomes someone within this superhero arena. Well, and and she herself is, you know, is a hero in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, being 
EMT and all that. I mean, that's you know, a hard job for not any real money. You it's know? true. And so it's kind of, uh, you know, I, I think not that they really got into it too much, but I mean, that sort of like idea of do you really need to put on a suit and try and do like extraordinary things to be, you know, to be helpful or to be heroic? Or is it enough to just try and save people's lives? I mean, that's, you know, very, it's a goal that, you know, she's already accomplishing. She's already being heroic. Right, right. That's and a really good point. He did, she, and she doesn't need to, she's dealing with the same things that he is. And, yeah. But no, I like her a lot. She's pretty awesome. Me too. I really love the the family in general in the new series. You know, you have you have Arthur and his mom, and his mom is really interesting because his mom is like constantly putting up these walls between her and Arthur. Like she always wants to be like one step removed. Um, like you know, he comes to the house for uh, his dad's or his stepdad's sixtieth birthday and comes in, right. and his mom says, you know, do you need to talk? I mean, do we need to get someone to talk? to you right right and you know it's like no i'm i'm not i'm not going to talk to you but i can hook you up with someone else and right. then she says instead of saying i love you she says i think you know i love you right right so it it is really interesting kind of seeing arthur within this family that's very they're not bad like they're not badly dysfunctional but they're still kind of dysfunctional oh they're dysfunctional yeah. yeah and then the you know the stepdad who arthur doesn't like but who actually seems to be kind of a neat person yeah um i love know. that i love that actor too yeah yeah he's really great he's one of the oh it's that guy people yeah <laughs> one of those people that you you run to like imdb and you're like who is that guy i know right. i've you know, seen like, him before oh, that guy was like a zombie i know him right you know? right Right. It was in something else. I can't remember what it was. Right. Exactly. Yes. Well, one of the other characters that I, I really like how they did him differently in the new series uh, is the terror. Yeah. Because, again, it was kind of the same thing in the 2001 series that there was an episode that involved the terror where uh, Batman well basically called the terror and called him out. No, he didn't call the terror. He gave the number of the terror to the tick and the ter and the tick called him, um, basically saying, you know, we're going to beat you. And the terror is like, who do you think you are? But you have, you know, this one episode where they're going against the person who's supposedly the worst villain ever. Right. And the worst villain ever turns out to have been way past his prime. And I think he like, I think he actually like dies of a heart attack. They didn't even have to kill him. He just kind of keels over on his own. I don't I remember. Think that's I, I know that episode yeah. i know yeah. that episode but yeah whereas in the new series you have jackie earl haley playing the terror and just being incredible yeah um he's another one of those actors that's like you know you see him you're like oh yeah it's this guy right right no i i really liked him too i mean you know he's I, again i think i think that all of the you know in the patrick warburton ones you know most of the people were kind of like one note characters right other than you know the tick and arthur and you know, Janet and Batman well. Right. But he but even they were, you know, they're kind of more comedic foils. You right. Know, right. You know, Batman Well's always gonna be a little is gonna be vain and is gonna be cheap. You know, right. and <laughs> trying to be you know, like trying to shystery, you know, trying to get out of something. You right, know. right. Janet going to be sh shallow but more competent than any of them right you know, except for maybe tick but the tick's just only competent because he's nigh invulnerable and very strong you know not through any real ability <laughs> just sheer natural toughness basically 
Right. But all the villains and all of the other people, they're just there to set up the situation. Right. Yeah, you know, it's a situation comedy. But no, then, you know, all of the bad guys, from Miss Lint to the Terror to, I want to call him Pharaoh, but is that right? Uh, it's Ramses. Ramses, right? Yes. Okay. They all have the very distinct kind of personality and agenda, and, and it's still funny, but it's also, the comedy's coming a little bit more out of the characters first. Right. And then the situation second. Right. You know? Right. Just drop any into that situation. It would have to be those two. And I just think that how, you know, the terrorist just kind of like casually old and crotchety but in, and and competent and forgetful and kind of dismissive of Ms. Lint. I mean, manipulative. I mean, he's just he's an engaging guy. He is. In a horrible sort of way, but yes. an engaging guy. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He also, just the, the performance of it is wonderful. Like, you know, the voice and his, uh, just his personality is fantastic. My son, he has started doing the terror's voice, uh-huh, like, all the time. So it, it's definitely something that, that sticks with you a lot like you know there's there's the tick voice which is is you know has been this constant and then you have the terror voice so so you still have kind of these hooks to to hook a character onto um in the new series even though there there is still a lot going on in the character than than the first series so, yes. I was trying to remember that one. There's a scene where he like poisons Miss Linsek's husband, Derek. Mm-hmm. You know, where yes. he like Derek shows up to complain about something or other, and then yeah, the terror just kind of like flips a bunch of darts into him. <laughs> you know, and she's like, "Oh, oh you've killed Derek." And he's like, "Did I?" <laughs> Like oh no no that's that's just the platypus venom right right like you know he'll be fine he'll be fine look he's foaming that's a good sign <laughs> yes yes yeah the writing is just the dialogue and the you know the tickness of the tick is yeah. is really being well done which is which is great I remember when I when I heard that they were doing a new series like there had been it had been in talks for a really long time and it was always that you know Patrick Warburton is coming back and he's going to do the tick again and it's going to be great and then it comes out that well they are doing the tick again but it won't be Patrick Warburton and you know there's kind of the feeling of well then it's not going to be the tick right and what's because... the point <laughs> right right it's like it's it's not going to be the right guy because it's always the tick the tick's voice is Patrick Warburton. Of course, I'm familiar with Patrick Warburton's voice. Uh, I imagine that the actor who voiced the uh, cartoons, which who was different, um, yes. you know, I'm sure there are lots of people out there, possibly even you, that's like, no, it's not Patrick Warburton, it's that dude. Well, I, you know, I, I try not to be too attached to, you know, any one interpretation of something. Right. You know, I mean, I'd rather see what, you know, people do with it. I mean, that being said, I didn't like the pilot when it first came out. There was some, I mean, yeah. I was very glad that they like kind of resolved and ditched the whole the tick is just might be a figment of Arthur's imagination sort of thing like right from the get-go because I just didn't see how that would play out yeah yeah Um, I agree with that you know they they did kind of imply in a lot of ways very heavily that the tick might be yeah some you know creation from uh from Arthur's brain somehow right which yeah I agree that that's not as interesting as they probably originally thought it might be I mean you know there there's always some question as to uh where the tick is from uh in the uh 2001 series he doesn't really know he's just been you know defending this bus terminal for a really long time until you know he got nudged towards the city because he was annoying people right and then he really doesn't know where he came from in the 2001 series and then i don't know if they ever address that in the in the uh animated series 
No, it's always you know been a mystery. Sometimes in the comic, he's just introduced standing up on a on a building, right? And him in mono, him monologuing basically, right? And right. then leaping off of the building. And I think this is actually in the new series where he like leaps off the top of the building. Yes. And then he like grabs like the flagpole, but it just breaks, and then he smashes into the ground. Yes. Is is that yes. from the comics? That's right from the comic. Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> so it, it's it's still it's still fun to kind of see you know some of those scenes kind of replaying in different ways you know? right and then in the uh, cartoon i think that he basically like goes to like a superhero competition kind of or like audition and then and then they assign him the city but, you know, but they, he doesn't, like, talk about, or you never, nobody ever really cares, like, where he came from, per se. Right. Uh, he's just, he's a superhero. He's always been a superhero, you know, as far as he can remember. Right. And, you know, he gets assigned to the city. And it's just called The City. You know, it's not any particular city. Even the little piece of paper, I think, just says The City. Gotcha. And when you think of that in terms of superheroes and superhero movies and comics and stuff, I'm trying to think of when people started being so concerned about backstory. And it's it's become something big nowadays. You have movies like Maleficent. You know, these stories that, oh, well, okay, well, you had this this villain or this hero. Let's find out, you know, who they were, you know, back when. And there's really kind of the question of, well, does anybody really care? Do we really need to know that Maleficent was jilted by the king or whatever? Right. But superheroes pretty much have always had that kind of, that there's some interesting story of where they came from. You know, you have Superman from from space and you have, you know, Batman with his parents being killed. Spider-Man being bit by the spider. And exactly. Fantastic Four getting exposed to cosmic radiation and the Hulk to gamma radiation. And pretty practically every Marvel superhero to some radiation of some sort. <laughs> Which makes it really interesting that the ticks like, I I have no idea. I've always been this way. There's that one great scene where the tick is talking with Walter, Arthur's stepdad, uh, about his suit. And Arthur's stepdad asks him, if the suit was part of him and the ticks like, am I always naked or am I never (laughs) naked? So, yeah. So it's interesting that, that the tick, has this you know mysterious background that he doesn't even remember and part of kind of you know in the new series part of the tick's agreement with arthur is that arthur is going to help him remember who he is and where he's come from which i hope they don't ever really get into that yeah yeah me too (laughs) i you know i mean it's fine to have that as like the kind of macguffin right you know but yeah I don't need to know where he came from or what his backstory is. Right. You know, he should he should be like the Greek god superhero right. of like I just here, you know, I was created at some point, doesn't matter, it's in the past, now I'm here and let's talk about what's going on now. You know, right, I think right. that's and that seems to suit him more anyhow. I mean, like the tick is very much in the present. You know, he doesn't think about the future, he doesn't really think about the past. He is entirely centered in the moment. It's true. What what needs what forces of justice need to be applied to that, you know, lever of evil. Right. And, Which, you know, goes back to the question of, you know, is the tick somehow emerge did he somehow emerge from Arthur? Yet like the tick would say, I am the tick, and then Arthur 
Peter would have a tick in his his eye. Um, right. And then there was that scene where like the the nightlight was talking to him with the tick voice as a kid. You know, stuff right. like that. So yeah, so I hope that they actually do completely abandon that or have the sort of thing where they think that they're going to find out who the tick is and then it turns into a joke that that they never are able to figure out exactly where the tick came from. Kind of a running gag basically. Yeah, no, I'd be I'd be down with that. Yeah. So so that's the tick. How about some of the other characters? We talked about the terror. We talked about Arthur. Miss Lint is fantastic. I really yes. I really love her. The actress is just she has a an intensity to her which is perfect for the character. Yeah. The whole gag with the eye too is is really great. Uh, actually, I have a friend who has one eye, and she has a, a glass mm-hmm. eye in the other one. So, um, so I'm a little bit familiar with how that whole thing works, uh-huh. and you know what it looks like when the eye's not in, and then you know how they put the eye in, and so on and so forth. And so it was kind of interesting seeing that they totally got that right. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, the, the you know the actress she has both of her natural eyes, so you know the the way that they did it when the eye wasn't in and then how, you know, before she put the eye in, she put it in her mouth to wet it and whatnot. So it is really cool that they're kind of committed to that detail. But she's she's just fantastic. And the whole, you know, the whole thing of uh, her being full of static electricity and dust being her downfall right, is just, right. you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I love that. Yeah. But one of the characters that we don't see a lot of, but obviously there's got to be something to do with him, is the character that basically they started the whole thing with, which is uh, Superion, mm-hmm. uh, when he lands in Siberia, coming from somewhere in outer space. And so you have, he actually, he reminds me a lot of the character in Mystery Men, the character who is like, you know, the big time superhero. Right, the one that had all of the, the corporate sponsorships. Right, exactly. I remember Ricky Jay was his manager. Who's Ricky just... Jay got to say a thing like, you know, I'm your manager, not a magician. Right. <laughs> That's which, of course, you know, he he actually is a magician. So, yes. Uh, So it's kind of the same sort of character that it's this, you know, this superhero who thinks that he's above everybody else. But, you know, there's kind of something underneath that that isn't quite right. And, you know, of course, we find out all that other stuff really simply, you know, really quickly in, uh, uh, in Mystery Men. But it's still kind of a mystery in the tick exactly who this guy is and what it is about him that isn't quite right do you have any theories well, had, on that uh well i mean you know it's it's sort of a slight theme you know throughout throughout the comics and even that you know in the, in the patrick warburton series because you know they had the league of heroes or whatever that they were going to join and it was uh, was a champion who was also like the slimy lawyer yes that was like yes. keeping Janet from getting out of it you know um, right right because it's an old boys club and they don't you know, let minorities or women into right, it. Right. And so I think that that sort of like, you know, sleazy superpower, you know, thing kind of shows up a lot, th- you know, throughout the series. Right, the series right. Is. And, you know, in the cartoon and comics, you know, the kind of superhero character, the Superman sort of character was, he wasn't like outwardly awful, like, you know, he was in the in the live action series, but, you know, he certainly like would quickly get annoyed with, the tick you know who is all you know like i said he's kind of like all intent and all good natured you know like we got to do something you know chum sort of right right person whereas 
and getting in the way in some ways of, you know, this guy who thinks that he's the only one that can do this job, you know. So, I mean, I, I think that I don't know where they'll take the guy, but I have a feeling it's it's going to be something, you know, along the lines of like, you know, he is, I'd be slightly disappointed if they turned him into like, he's kind of making, sponsoring the evil or having a deal with them to kind of do like superheroic fights or whatnot, but right. to kind of have him be sort of like very out of touch and more concerned with his own reputation and his own stature as a celebrity, I think would be more interesting and possibly more likely because then again you, you know you get somebody that like the tick who doesn't really care at all about being famous because all he sees is we have to write you know injustice that i think that he, that's the kind of foil that would drive somebody that wants to be recognized for their good deeds as being you know, really annoying sure. so <laughs> so i think that'd be funnier right right he's, he's like doing good but like kind of maybe but for all the wrong reasons right know, but, it's funny because it's it's actually one of my favorite scenes of the new series. And like every time I rewatch it, it's like I'm always waiting for this scene. And it's at the end when uh, Superion is dealing with the very large man and um, he comes down and like his his lawyer or his publicist is there to tell him about various things. And he hands him a cup of coffee and he drinks some of the coffee and then goes like, "Ugh, that tastes like cancer. And then like uses lasers from his eyes to like, you know, shoot at the coffee and then shoot at his lawyer's coffee. And his lawyer takes a sip and goes, hmm, pumpkin spice. How do you do that? Right. Which I just, it's its just so completely out there. Right. It's its its kind of silly to have as, you know, one of my favorite moments, but there you go. No, I mean, you know, again, <laughs> I think that it goes back to, or alludes to, you know, the kind of commercialization of, of the character himself. Right, you know, right. I mean, pumpkin spice is so, right. ubiquitous, <laughs> so you know, like spurned and, you know, and, and pointless and, you know, and to have his superpower being to make things pumpkin spicy think is uh funny right right kind of you know really does link him up with kind of you know the corporate culture of right. you know you know commercialism and whatnot so the very large man clearly they're going somewhere with that maybe he's going to be some threat in the future where he he's like coming for the city and they have to deal with him somehow mm -hmm. um but clearly he's going to have some sort of role in you know the second half of the of the series which is coming out in later february any thoughts on that i don't really know i mean you know like i it was one of those things where i just kind of had pictured him as just being sort of like background filler sure of like to kind of show like the that there was other kind of like super you know hero things or super heroic things going on you know i'm i'm kind of like a super bad nerd in this way and that like <laughs> I don't sit around and like really like try and like tease out like oh you know I think that this means this thing you know like I, <laughs> I mean I'm not good in that way like when I'm watching something too or like you know I'll go see plays with with my wife and she'll be like well this means this and that meant that and this meant that I was like oh really I I just saw some guy like doing this one thing you know and so right, right. so it's hard for me to kind of be like well I, I don't know where they're gonna go with that because I <laughs> I don't really know. You know, I think that it is, since they do kind of keep kind of re returning to them, mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I do think something's going to happen. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I, I'm <laughs> well, you know, I think that it's a threat that kind of is, is there to be dealt with. I don't know. Maybe it means that, you know, the Tick and Superion and Arthur are going to team up somehow uh, to deal with it. So, <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. Yeah. So, so yeah. So Overkill, who we're introduced to in the last three episodes, I think, yeah. um, who is also just a fantastic 
character. I really like him. I like the fact that he he has a boat that talks with, you know, Alan Tudyk's voice. Right. And one of the things that I like about it is how, you know, he's this rough and grim and uh, hates everybody sort of guy. And then it's actually really similar to Miss Lint, that she's this kind of rough and grim and hates everybody sort of girl. And then when Arthur mentions Overkill to her, her response is, did he say anything about me? And then when he mentions Miss Lint to Overkill, his response is, did she say anything about me? I'm amused by the fact that, you know, you have this this villain and this kind of anti-hero, really, who are on the opposite ends of the the superhero spectrum in this town and yet obviously are into each other. So I don't know. I'm kind of a shipper. I love, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I love being like, oh, are they going to get together? Um, Which is, you know, me being a fangirl. So I I kind of, you know, I kind of like the idea that the two of them are going to be like, you know, have this weird little relationship, kind of like Batman and Catwoman, you know, that during the day when they're normal people, then, you know, they're having this relationship. And then at night, they're beating each other up. Right, Right. So. So I kind of like that. It is, it's basically... It's not going to be a healthy relationship. Oh, no, definitely not. But then again, you know, what superhero relationship is actually healthy? Reed Richards and the Invisible Woman. They've been married for like, you know, since the 60s. Huh. I will look into that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like, you know, Superman and Lois Lane, it's like, that's not really a healthy relationship there either. Right, Um, right. You know, there's secrecy in there and massive power dynamic, really. And then, you know, Batman and all the women that he winds up being linked to or being terrible towards. Well, that's that's the one bad thing about comics in general is just that because there's no end, you know, it can basically go on forever right yeah nothing is ever really resolved because i mean you know lois lane has known superman's secret and then and then somehow forgets superman's secret right right one of her gets killed off and somebody else comes in it's just you know like i mean it comics they can't you know have x-men without wolverine you know for any length of time you right. know what i mean like you can't just get rid of that guy and be like well now here come new people and we're gonna stick with these new people I mean, you know that it just doesn't happen so right right you know i i think that that's it's kind of hard to be like you know <laughs> comics have like good or bad relationships because like well sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad and you know and just depends on you know, the time period and what they're doing with them at the time that's you know? true you just can't you can't have them static yeah i mean but i do like i like overkill being you know like that sort of like the grim dark hero the punisher ish sort of guy right like then thrust up against the tick is in some ways is basically like a golden age superhero of being like there's truth and justice and that's that's all and that's all you do and there isn't and i don't even understand how you can't do that you know sort of thing and it's always fun to kind of see people trying to you know interact with that or see the two situations come together and then for me personally to see the grim dark guy be obviously like outclassed and baffled by you know this aspect of kind of like big dumb goodness right yeah i love how you know the tick when he thinks that arthur is the one who killed all those people in the alley he he comes to arthur and he's like i don't approve of that i think we have to have the talk Um, the talk being you don't kill people talk right um and then he says 
says that too to, you know, Overkill when he first meets him. You know, we're going to have the talk. He's just this perfect shiny diamond of of goodness. You know, he doesn't have an evil bone in his body. Even though every once in a while having an evil bone in your body is really helpful. Right. Um, well, you know, he does have... <laughs> I mean, like when he's on Overkill's ship and he goes, he goes to push a button and Overkill's like, you know, don't push that. Right. Like, right, he did. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he does have like a bit of a, you know, screw you, pal, sort of. It's true. You know, in his body, at least. But it's going to be very kind of low stakes, sort of. It's very, it's very, you know, childlike in that, yeah, you know, exactly. every once in a while, you know, the kids get naughty. But there's still kind of that, that innocence there, even when, you know, he's doing that in order to get on. Uh, on Overkill's nerves. Yeah. So what we've seen so far is the first season, uh, the first half of the first season, rather. So the second half of the season is going to be on Amazon on February 23rd. So I'm definitely looking forward to that because, you know, as the terror said, we have a cliffhanger. Um, so Arthur has been kidnapped and is in the terror's clutches. Yeah. So what do you, uh, you know, what do you think we'll see in the second half? What do you hope we'll see in the second half? Well, yeah, they haven't really alluded to any of it at all. But, you know, I kind of have a hope that they would introduce more kind of like low level. Well, I guess I could see it go two different ways. Like either have introduced like more kind of like low level superhero characters. Uh-huh. Just because I think that that's funny. Right, <laughs> you right. Know? And, and it's also, you know, like the schlubs, you know, carrying on. Um, right, right. You know, there's uh, there's this great series of uh, by Matt Faction of Hawkeye, who is kind of like, you know, in the Avengers got the guy in the powerful armor suit and you got the god and you've got super soldier and super heroic you know captain america and right. then you got the guy that can shoot arrows right you know and, <laughs> and, in, and in the comics you know he's uh also deaf right and or mostly deaf i think he's got like cochlear implants that he can wear sometimes but like that that particular comic series was basically like hawkeye on his days off okay. like him like in his apartment and doing things and it was like this kind of great series and so when you have those kind of like secondary low level like superheroes you know kind of like in the cartoon you know they had deflator mouse and sea urchin and all that just kind of like sitting around and seeing the non-superheroic aspects uh-huh there just seems to be so much like room for commentary and humor and and also being serious you know at the same time so i would love to see something like that or if not that then like kind of expanding on the grocery store it's in isn't lives in kind of like a grocery store <laughs> yes yes um, you know the guy with the tinfoil hat yes <laughs> you know, tinfoil kevin just, you know, yeah tinfoil <laughs> kevin. like expanding on those people more and kind of seeing the sort of like day-to-dayness i think is fun and important as well because I, mean, I think that you know seeing the tick and arthur and you know arthur's family kind of like working into this sort of the, the non-heroic aspects can be just as interesting and as fun right that's upcoming things i'm sure that we'll see you know a bit of a resolution with you know with the very large man and superior you'll see a bit of resolution of that i think they'll have a confrontation at some point yes you know in, in the series maybe even more so like where the tick and superior come more at odds and perhaps even the terror just kind of like fades away into the background for a little bit right. slithers away <laughs> well, they they definitely have to get Arthur out of there somewhere yeah. or somehow, probably, you know, sooner rather than later. Could totally see the second half starting off with them going to get Arthur and the terror being moderately defeated and then like going off to like his wounds while the uh, the attention focuses 
elsewhere, you know, maybe on Superion. It is right. really interesting that in the 2001 uh, live action series, the society is just chock full of superheroes. Every other dude on the street is a superhero of some sort uh, to the to the point where you have like, you know, superhero support groups, uh, right. superhero, you know, leagues and whatnot. You know, you have a lot of inter superhero conflict. Uh, whereas in the newer series, one of the main plot points is that all of the superheroes are dead. You have Superion. He's still around. You have the dog. I don't remember what the dog's name is, but was right. uh, a partner of, of Christian Soldier. That was funny. You know, he yes. he he, uh, he house trained me and baptized me and made me a crusader for Christ. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so you have like these two superheroes, the dog is out of it enough where his thing is that he's writing a memoir. But you only have these two superheroes around to the point where like Aegis, the uh, the government agency that, that keeps track of the superheroes, they aren't even around anymore. They're not a thing. Right, right. They've closed up shop. They've moved their offices. So, so you have this kind of post-superhero world. You know, you still have Superion, you know, kind of around, but he's on talk shows and going after big things while the Pyramid Gang is is forcing Goat, who's the the shop owner, to, you know, pay him a couple hundred bucks periodically for protection. So I think that it is it is interesting that, you know, we see at the beginning why it is that the superheroes are gone. They they were defeated by the terror and just nobody else has risen up since then. And it's been right. a significant amount of time because Arthur was a kid then and now he's not. I think that it, it's definitely going to be a thing that there's a reason why there aren't superheroes anymore. Mm -hmm. That it isn't just... I mean, maybe it is just that the terror did it. But I think that there's probably more to it than that. You suspect Superior. I do suspect Superior. <laughs> I do. I think that he's going to turn out to be, you know, that he didn't want any other superheroes around. Right. That he's such... And even the, even the terror will be like, man, that was cold. Yeah. And, you know, won't want to do anything, have anything to do with him. Well, or he might. He might want, you know, the tick gone for whatever reason. And Superior might want him gone because it's like, hey, I made sure that I was the only game in town. Right, so, right. I mean, you know, but kind of the, the contrary to that is that we still have Overkill around who, you know. Well, he's kind of like low-level, the sh schlubby, hyper-violent schlub. But, you know, he's... He's like Batman without the hyper competence. It's true. So, you know, so again, seeing him up against or paired with the tick, who is obviously unexpectedly competent, right. is, you know, <laughs> it is fun. But no, I, I suspect you're right, like with Superior, that while he may not have been, maybe he won't be like directly implicated in causing the terror to defeat all the other superheroes, like kind of being the only game in town probably is certainly not something he doesn't, that he minds. Right. Well, they talk about how the terror defeated the superheroes by using weaponized syphilis, right. which is yuck, basically. It's like, wow, that's, yeah, ooh, bad way to go. I guess... I guess I, I really suspect that Superion had something to do with that, that he was the one who was able to get close enough to the other superheroes to give them right, right. weaponized syphilis. So right. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see. I think I would be a little bit surprised if Superion turned out to have his hands clean, but we'll see. So yeah, so February 23rd. That'd be good. <laughs>
Okay, so it's been a little over an hour. All right. <laughs> Is there anything else in particular you'd like to talk about with the the tick? No, I mean, you know, I guess it, it's kind of reiterating. You know, I like both the series. Is now the the second one, the the new one, is kind of grown on me. But you know, I do still kind of like appreciate the broadly comic version, the the earlier live action one, just because you could kind of go in so many different directions of it. And the episode with you know Ron Perlman was yes great you yeah know, great and horrible and great you know and the <laughs> the the one with Dave Foley and the reprogramming superhero reprogramming like psychiatric thing was pretty awesome just because you know again you get to kind of make comments on things in a very sort of direct way that you know I don't think that's the point of the new series right. you know the new series is to be entertaining and amusing and maybe have like kind of like more subtle themes but you know i kind of did like the kind of like oh here's you know here's what we're kind of mocking today you know sort of right thing. yeah and i do think that patrick warburton like was better at busting out some of the crazier maybe that'll come with the writing but like the crazy <laughs> you know we're a two-headed cobra of justice slithering along the <laughs> as of righteousness dispensing venom you know, right projects of evil he was really good at earnestly delivering long-winded tickisms i haven't quite seen that from uh peter, peter. serafinowicz yeah i think I that's how you pronounce that. it you know he's I, I don't know if those will ever start coming out but you know i mean his have been shorter and pithier and not quite as like complicated like, yeah and like what <laughs> are you talking about you know like i i was on your train of thought to start with but then you know i had to get off at some point because I, I have no idea what's going on right course. right well there right. there's one quote from the recent series um where he's he's talking about how powerful he is and he says like you know i'm an olympic level jungle cat and uh i'm i'm stronger than 10 men 20 men a bus stop of men he's definitely he's he's grown on me like you know we talked a little bit in the beginning about how you know when i heard about it i'm like if it's not patrick warburton it is not the tick um so you know seeing him the first the first episode and then you know the second episode i'm like can this guy really be the tick but from then on and then with re-watching it he's definitely grown on me i'm kind of fond of him i'm glad that they changed the tick suit because it was Mm -hmm. different in the uh the pilot it was very kind of strange and textured, weird, and they did away with that. They gave him a nice smooth suit the second time around. But yeah, like I think that I think that he's actually doing a really good job of delivering those lines. So yeah, I mean, you know, I'm having fun with it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, wow. I don't have anything else to say, I think. Okay. So that's all I have to say about <laughs> that. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on. It was awesome. You are very welcome. And uh, maybe we'll have you on again sometime. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Hopeless Fancast. You can follow us on Twitter at Hopeless Fancast, on our Facebook page, The Hopeless Fancast, and find all of our episodes on hopelessfancast.com. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash thehopelessfancast to find out more. Thank you, and we'll see you soon.